This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, Let's Talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. My guest today is the fabulous operatic sensation, Mary Costa, who in seven short years went from TV commercials to the Metropolitan Opera. Mary, it's always such a delight to have you with us, and since your last appearance, I have received so many letters, and one of the questions asked over and over again is how you feel about popular music. Do you enjoy popular music, Mary? Very much. What, for instance? Well, <coughs> I like very, very much R Ray Charles. Oh, I'm with you. I'm crazy about Ray Charles. I Gary probably... and I just play Ray Charles records and blare them over the house all oh, the time. Oh, I am just crazy about him. And then I'm a great admirer of Jack Jones. So are we. And there is a new, well, new, she's, I, I don't know how long she's been singing, but I think she's sensational, is this new Morgana King. I haven't heard Morgana. I love Edie Gourmet. Edie Gourmet, I just love too. I love Steve and Edie together, and I love Edie uh, alone. I think she's such a natural, wonderful, warm singer. And I never feel that she's not going to give the ultimate whenever she starts. I know that I'm seeing a performance. I know that I'm seeing a song thought out as well as sung out. And uh, I just look forward to her songs, even a single song. I feel exactly the same way. And you know, she makes me think of uh, when, not to turn it around to me, but when someone will say, well, it, it's wonderful, you're a serious singer. And I think that word is so misused. I sing classical music, but Edie is just as serious about her work as I am about mine. Mm, I think the term indeed. serious singer is very, very misused. Yes, I don't Be even know what it means. No, I, I mean, you know, they, they feel like because the music is maybe in a classical field and maybe it's a little harder to understand or maybe they think that. I don't think well, it they're is. they're using serious for classical. So for classical. Like Lena Horne is a very serious Serious, well, I should say so. What do you so. think about Elvis Presley and the Beatles? Well, not that I can couple them, but uh, well, you know, Elvis Presley to me is an original. I think El Elvis Presley is a wonderful talent, and I think he is just becoming better and better and better all the time. He's developing into a wonderful actor. I think he has great pathos in his singing. I like him very, very much. Now the Beatles, I, I you know, I'm completely in awe of. I don't, I, I heard them in London, and I think that their patter between the numbers is just, just wonderful. I've never seen them or heard them. And they are, they're just terrific on stage. And I must say that- I've heard I, them, I mean on, mm -hmm. on records and on television, but I mean, I've never been in, around them. And I admire the success tremendously. It, it certainly is success, oh. tremendous success. They're young millionaires, I hope they know how to handle it. Oh, I hope so. They seem to be quite level-headed young men and uh, certainly no, uh, they seem to have a, a plan for their future. But yes, it they does really not mean. include just going on being the Beatles, I, going to use their, I, I hope that they Which mean what they say. Which I think is very refreshing, I hope so too. You know, I have to tell you, I was in a taxi cab, you know, in comparing popular music to um, classical music. I was in a taxi cab one day. Uh, the driver was driving me to the San Francisco Opera House where I was appearing in La Boheme, which has the very famous Mosetta's Wall song. Well, I was humming that to warm up in the back seat. And uh, this driver hadn't the slightest idea who I was, and he says, oh boy, doesn't that Sarah Vaughan sing that great? You know, which oh, <laughs> I love. That's beautiful. Because she had, of course, that wonderful record of, don't you know I have fallen in love with you, yes. which was taken from Bohem. I love that. I just love that. And God bless him for saying it. Oh, sure. I should say. Before I forget to ask you, I've got to ask you something about your 
your uh, regimen, your daily regimen, Mary, about your food and your vitamins, if any, and your sleeping habits, please? Well, I'll, I'll be very happy to tell you. I feel like I'm kind of like an athlete, you know, because the first uh, year that I went to the San Francisco Opera Company, which was 1958, I absolutely ate like the Russians were on the roof. I, <laughs> I ate all the time because I was nervous and I thought, here I am alone and I'm going to be out there singing and I need my strength, you know, just nerves, really, until I uh, gained 12 pounds, which was, I just really looked awful. I was just embarrassed. Well, no, not embarrassed because I enjoyed putting it on. But, <laughs> but I, I took it off gradually because I, I don't want to get used to uh, singing with a lot of weight. In the first place, I think it's a myth that opera singers have to be heavy. I think they have to be strong, as people have to be strong, but I don't think they have to be fat. I think it's just like a prize fighter. They don't like to carry around a, a, a lot of extra fat, but they must be strong. So I find that now for breakfast I will have fruit or... If I want a big breakfast, if I'm really hungry, I'll have maybe eggs and toast and a real farm breakfast, but then I won't have any lunch. And then I'll have a, a good steak at night. But high protein, I usually stay with steak, tomatoes. I don't drink coffee and I don't smoke because smoking really bothers me, you know. But um, tea I like, drink tea quite a bit during the day. And I try to stay away from butter, bread, and potatoes, which I adore because I uh, have so much Italian in me that if I hear pasta, you know, I go down on my knees. I love potatoes. And me I, too. I tell myself the potatoes are not fattening. I know that bread is fattening, mm -hmm. white bread, white sugar, and things like that. But I tell myself the potatoes I need because I love potatoes. I do too. You but have I been quoted, Mary, as saying that you can almost measure your life in people who have been helpful to you. And the other night, I was at Jack Benny's house, and he, by the way, sends his love to you, and so does Mary Benny. And uh, he said, give her a great big kiss. Now, I'm not <laughs> going to kiss you today. I'm just going to ask you about how you measure your life in the good friends that you have known. Well, I can certainly measure a great, great portion of it with him because when I was working on the commercials, Jack had a dressing room right across from mine. And I would hear him practicing the violin, and I was really fascinated because he is good. I know he is. He lives next door to us, and we hear him practicing all the time. I know that, and I wish I could hear him. <laughs> but, but he was really good, and we talked and became very good friends. And he said, well, if you really want to be a classical singer, why don't you work now and study on the side? You're not exposed to anyone. When you're ready, I'll put you on my show. And I found a teacher in Los Angeles who had formerly been with the Metropolitan and San Francisco operas, Mario Chomley, and began studying with him every day. Well, I beg your pardon. In the beginning, I studied three times a week, and then it was every day. And sure enough, after three years, Jack put me on his show, and what happened was that everybody wrote in saying that they liked me very much, and they liked the voice, and they wanted to know who had dubbed it in. Oh, no! Oh, yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake, why did they think that? Well, they had become so accustomed to just hearing me speak because I didn't sing on the commercials. Uh, I have been written up that I did jingles and everything. I might have done two uh -huh. in four years. Uh -huh. But I didn't sing, particularly not in the voice I was, I'm yes. using now. And so uh, they just didn't believe it was my oh, voice. Oh, for heaven's sake, I didn't know that. And, and Jack was, has always been just wonderful to me. You know, he told me that if he had his career to do over again 
that he would have loved to have been a concert violinist. Well, you know, I would hate to lose him as a comedian because he's so fantastic. But you know something, what he has done, people identify him with him so as they do with you. You know, you, I have just a small portion of it on television coming each week. As I would go into the, um, the different places, they would say, Hi, Mary, how are you? You know, you're one of the family. Yeah. And I was so happy to be accepted in that way. But the acceptance that you have all over the world and that Jack has is something to be so admired. And to think that uh, with this identification with people that you both have, that you're able to do so much for all phases of, of uh, show business. Now, Jack has raised so much money for the orchestras across the country much more than a classical artist could. Of course. You know? He knows that, too. It makes him very happy. Oh, I would think so. I think it was ordained. I think it was thought out someplace, I do. the way it worked. I Instead really do. Instead of just a concert uh, violinist. He talked about that the other night. He said, I guess maybe it was for a reason. I guess maybe I'm doing more good now, mm -hmm. uh, raising money so that young people will get interested in their music. I think it's a marvelous thing. Oh, dear, Mary, I see our time is up for today. Please join us on Monday, friends, when my guest again will be the lovely Mary Costa. See you then. Hi, this is Lucy. As I promised, my guest today is the lovely opera sensation, Mary Costa. Mary, are you able to keep up with what's going on in the entertainment world, radio, television, motion pictures, with all the touring and moving about the country you have to do? Lucy, you know, I'm glad you went on radio because I find that in my travels, you know, our concert tours, I'm getting more and more selective about the things that I want to watch on television. I have, you know, I love your program. I love to watch Jack Benny, you know, a number of things. But I find that I listen to radio much, much more because it, it lets my imagination work. Thank you, thank you. That's a, that was always the uh, plus about radio, is that people's imagination mm -hmm. were uh, stimulated, oh, stimulated sure. all the time. I think we've lost uh, a great deal of our interest in radio because of television, of course. But I think just the uh, seeing of comedy and the seeing of individuals has taken something away, taking, taken something of the glamour away, too. Oh, I think so. Like getting too familiar about the big stars of, of yesterday. As soon as you found out all about them, you weren't quite as interested as you were when just your imagination was telling you. You know, that's so true, and I, and I remember when I came uh, to Los Angeles, from, to Hollywood from Tennessee, I had, of course, you know, played with my little girlfriends, and I always, you know, liked to be Betty Grable, Carol Lombard, you know. The, you know, I was. I was Clara Bow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Phoebe Daniels and Clara Bow. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I got out here, you know, of course, I would. I was allowed to go to the, um, the picture show on Saturday. And when I got out here and saw my first movie star, you know, you may tell you who, who I saw. Who? Now this is really funny. Coming out here, we stopped at the Grand Canyon for the first time. Who did I see? Jack Benny. Oh, really? And I went up and asked for his autograph and was trembling like, you know. Yes. A proverbial leaf, and he was so sweet to me and everything. But, you know, I remember thinking, why, he's really the size of other people because I had been used to seeing, you know, <laughs> close-ups of, of my movie stars that I loved. And, of course, on the screen, their heads looked so big, and I could, it took me a long time to get used to that they, they, were, they were the size of other people walking along the street. Yes. <laughs> Isn't I that never crazy? Of that. Mary, I want to ask you about loneliness. Those of us who travel alone and don't have any family at the moment, how do you combat uh, loneliness? 
I do get lonely, but I never feel alone. Yeah. Now, I if I if I start to talk about my faith, my belief in God, which is foremost in my life, I don't want to sound corny or well she's doing this to impress because I really never talk about it. I wish I talked about it more or was given a chance to more. But I have I must have a time in the day. I, I don't I don't say for prayer because I, I am not one who uh, you know thinks I'm going to say my prayers when I go to bed tonight because I talk to God constantly during the day. So do I, out loud. Out loud. <laughs> I mean it. You know and um and I feel very close to God. I feel like I'm kind of surrounded by a cocoon. You know what a cocoon is? And yes. I feel like it's around, that power is around me all the time. Wrapped in love. Wrapped, Wrapped in, in love. And I hope and pray to be able to get that over to people. But, uh, but as far as loneliness, I, loneliness, yes, I do. I get lonely and I'd like to talk to people. But being alone, I never feel alone. And I hope that will continue because I think the first minute that we ever put our God out of our lives, then we're lost. I mean, for instance, if I didn't have my belief, if I didn't know that there was someone watching me, watching over me, I'll tell you, I had, I had a little maid who took care of me in a hotel in San Francisco who saw that I was a little depressed one night. I was depressed because I had a cold and I had to go on in about a week. And, and I knew that it takes a little while to get over a cold for a, you know, a, a particularly a high singing voice. And she said, Miss Costa, do you ever read the 91st Psalm? And of course, in, um, in Bible school, in my Sunday school, when I was a child, I memorized them all, you know, but I just couldn't draw on which one was the 91st Psalm. And so I said, well, which one is it? She said, well, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but she says, if you're ever lonely, if you ever feel alone, open up the Bible and read the 91st Psalm, which I did and which I'll tell anyone who's listening in now to do. It is what I call a magic psalm because if I told you what it was about, it wouldn't be the same to you as it would mm -hmm. be to me. But mm -hmm. this is a psalm that I have drawn great strength from. If I ever get tremendously depressed, I, I open it and I read the 91st Psalm. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing to tell. And I can hardly wait to read it now. All righty. The... Um, you know, I must tell you one story that, I, that probably is the funniest thing that's ever happened in my career so far. When I was asked to come to the San Francisco Opera Company the first year, which is, I say was 58, the publicity man from the Opera House called my agent in Los Angeles and said, would you tell us what plane Miss Costa is going to be arriving on? So he told him, said, well, now, look, we're going to inform the press and so would you stay on the plane until last, you know, so they can get the proper shots of her, you see? So we did. I was so nervous. I was really trembling, and he was making little spit curls and things all over me to fix me up, you know? <laughs> and we, uh, we got off the plane with my, you know, grand gesture. No, now I'm having up a little bit. But there wasn't a soul there except a little mechanic looking up thinking, who the heck is that, you know? And we laughed so, we laughed all the way through the airport, which was one of those jet things, yeah. you know, how long that is. And ever since then, I have never expected anybody to meet planes. Now, when I made my debut at the Metropolitan, I didn't sleep for 36 hours after that. I sat up in bed like a big fat owl, you know? <laughs> And by the time uh, the next stop for me was San Francisco, and I got on the plane and I thought, well, here I am coming to San Francisco. Isn't that ironic? Because here is kind of my home. This is where I started. 
And I looked a bit like a Siamese cat. My eyes were completely crossed by that time. I was so tired. <laughs> and I really couldn't really focus in any way. I got off the plane. The plane was a little late. And there were 28 photographers at the airport, you know. Always. <laughs> now, they had uh, put a red carpet from the door of the airport to a limousine for me, which was just so wonderful. And all of a sudden, I'm on the carpet, and I thought, oh, gee, this is my big moment, <laughs> you know? And a little guy from behind, a voice says, hey, lady, would you mind getting off the carpet? we got to get it back to Abby Rents. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Mary, what a beautiful story. They don't give you much time to be uh, anything but be I had two minutes. I had two minutes. <laughs> That's a priceless thing. Mary, you have certainly captured my heart today. I don't know if I even came up with uh, enough conversation. You had me in awe most of the time, and you have captured the hearts of the musical world. But if I ever have a chance to sort of adopt you, would you come and live at our house? Listen, I'll come today, <laughs> do you have room? <laughs> I certainly will. I will do. not I will not let this stop because I want to tell you I won't let you flatter me because I am in such awe of you and I consider you just the most perfect performer in every in every respect. And I don't know what I've enjoyed myself more because I, I tell you, I'm so happy you're on radio. It gives it gives me a chance. You know, we're always rushing around so much. We've been together on a couple of occasions, but not like I'd like to be. But being on radio, I'm going to be able to listen in to you, and I get to see a side of you that I don't get to see on television. Thank I you, I get Mary. to talk to you personally. That's what I say about the guests that I'm interviewing. That's why I'm on radio, because I, I get to know them better than I ever could at any gathering, any social gathering I've ever been at. Well... You just can't corner people that long and ask that many questions and get that many wonderful answers. I think before you're finished, Mary, and the little time that we have to pass through this world, I think you're going to steal the, the heart of the world. Oh, my. God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary Costa. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.